Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. And today we have a very kind of different episode. We're actually recording this in the hotel room while we're at the MAGFest convention in Washington, D.C. Yeah, this is MAGFest 12. We are currently in our hotel room at the Gaylord National Hotel, and we are joined by our brother, Marty Brueggemann. Hey guys, honored to be here with you on the podcast and honored to be with you here at MAGFest 12. Yeah, such a fun, exciting time and such a fun, exciting episode we have today. This is Greatest Hits 2013. We're going to play some of our favorite music that we've played on the podcast this previous year. This is going to be such a blast. Yeah, we did one of these last year just to sort of encompass um, everything that we played in the first year of the podcast. And I can't believe a whole nother year has passed. But So it's basically crazy. today we're going to play sort of the, um, yeah, like it says, the greatest hits that we've really sort of discovered this past year. You know, we're not necessarily going to play some of the tracks that we've, you know, grown up with and that we've played a lot in the podcast, right. even the first year. These are going to be sort of some of the discoveries that we made um, in 2013. Yeah, you guys may remember our first greatest hits episode. You won't be surprised. Most, I would say most... Most of these tracks are great are tracks of the weeks of you know a given episode. So for example, let's say Fire and Lava earlier this year. Um, most likely it's gonna be a track of the week of that episode. Now one thing to keep in mind is we only have about twenty-two tracks that uh, we can play on an episode, so we right. can't feature every track of the week of the whole year. So we had to make some tough choices. Yeah, so Carl, Marty, and I actually picked the playlist for today, and there was a lot of sort of contesting. We actually eventually had to get numerical with it. We each made yeah. ratings of all the potential tracks and then we're very deliberate with which ones we could play and which ones we wouldn't. Yeah, we use the cold intellectual power of mathematics to really help us solidify this playlist. And you know what? It's the best playlist I think you're going to hear. Yeah. yeah. I would be safe to say this might be the best playlist we've ever had on the podcast. This is every single track we absolutely love. And even the tracks we had to cut from today's episode, we love, love, love. So this right. is just so much love here. Right. Well, um, in the spirit of that, you know, the play-in and play-out tracks had to be ones also that we're just huge fans of. So let's talk a little bit. That first track that we opened with was so obviously from Voodoo Vince. Yeah, that was Voodoo Vince composed by Steve Kirk. That was Main Street, the main theme in the game. And one of our favorite tracks that we've that we discovered this past year, we played it in the jazz music episode. It's just right. so much fun. The gypsy it, jazz sound it that he goes nails. to show you how wonderful this playlist is. That that one that we praise and talk about being one of our favorites didn't even end up making it on the list of tracks that we could really spend a lot of time to talk Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So one thing, uh, just to remind you guys, we are currently at Magfest. Magfest is just wrapping up uh, as we're recording this podcast. So as this episode goes on, maybe we'll kind of regale each other with some stories and our experiences. Right. That... And if you haven't, uh, actually go back to our website. We've been having sort of nightly vlogs to sort of talk to you about some of the events that we've been um, seeing and participating in throughout the course of the day in MAGFest. And in a couple weeks, um, hopefully as soon as possible, we're going to show you guys a really cool sort of edited video of our experience at MAGFest. There'll be some really cool exclusive interviews. Let's get to the music here. Uh, We're going to start things off with uh, a track from Alicia Dragoon for the Sega Genesis, one of our favorite Genesis soundtracks. This was featured on our spotlight on 16-Bit Showdown, the Genesis episode. This was composed by Nobuyuki Aoshima and Manamori Ishimoto. Let's take a listen to Stage 1-1.
Oh, man. I know there is a final section that we're going to hear later on, but we kind of had to fade this down. This is such a great track. This is Stage 1-1 from Alicia Dragoon, and this was composed by Nobuyuki Aishima and Manamori Ishimoda. I love the harmony that we're hearing in the right channel. Do you believe in dragoons? (laughs) (laughs) You have to. There was a little melodic um, contour earlier that reminded me of Seal's Kiss from a Rose, and Marty was saying that. I believe this predates that, which it definitely does. Um, This was such a cool discovery. I remembered when this is the other section I was talking about. I remembered when I discovered this uh, really early in 2000. I actually may have discovered it at the end of 2012. I was on YouTube scouring some really nerdy video game music videos, and there was some video of some tracker. It wasn't Genesis. It was this song in a tracker of some like MSX or something. Right. And I loved the song, and I went and got in the soundtrack, and this particular track, Stage 1-1, just hit me over the head, and this part is so happy. I knew I really wanted to play it on the podcast. Right. It's such great writing, and it what's so what's so cool is they don't seem to be phased by the fact that this is a waltz. They're like, you know what? We're gonna throw all the drums we can at this thing, and it's, yeah. it could certainly be scored as like a lovely, almost like Final Fantasy Zelda kind of delicate waltz. Well, this has elements of that. Yeah, and yeah. the material is strong enough where it could support that kind of arrangement. But I. I just get such a kick out of the fact that they're bringing all these high-energy drums into it. Yeah, and then you have this section that's in 4-4, four, four, so it they transitions yeah. well yeah. into it. You know? Yeah, it's, it's almost like you get everything you love about this particular generation of video game music. You get that high-energy percussion and drum and Especially bass Especially that you get on Genesis music. Yeah, and then yeah. you get that really lovely like melodic writing. Yeah, absolutely. And you get more kind of old-school medieval elements than you get on most Genesis soundtracks. Absolutely. You know, that's what's so great. That's such a quirky mix on Alicia Dragon. Definitely. Let's move yeah. on to our next track. Let's move on. we got so much great music to get to today. Now we're going to move on to Terranigma. Oh, my gosh. Mm, you guys classic. know we're a big fan of this soundtrack. Let's play Elle's theme, which we discovered. I don't think we discovered this past year, but we introduced on the podcast this right. past year. This was composed by Miyoko Kobayashi and Masanori Hikichi. Please enjoy Elle's theme from Terranigma. This is the kind of track that really stops you in your tracks. Uh, this is Elle's theme from Terranigma, composed by Miyoko Kobayashi and Masanori Hikichi. Uh, this is a track that, um, fun fact, we were at a video games live panel this weekend with Tommy Tallarico, and he was showing us a really cool Excel spreadsheet on his laptop of tracks that he wants to do in future video game live show. We should have suggested this track. This would be yeah. so great to hear. 
The thing that I really love about it is, you know, it holds up, you know, it really stands up there with, you know, the great RPG soundtracks like Chrono Trigger or any of the great Square games like any of the Final Fantasies. You know, it's really up to that caliber of musicality. And that sort of shimmering arpeggio that pans across is sort of haunting and mysterious. Absolutely. And it's something that stuck out to us so much. We actually sampled it uh, in our... <laughs> um, in our project, when we were doing that Zero G, the F Zero tribute album, the uh, for the sample, last track, yeah, yeah we, we wanted to have sort of a delicate, sweet instrument. And then when we landed on using that sample, we both were just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so perfect. the name of our, our wave sample in our folder is actually L. So that's, you know, E L L E for L's theme. Yeah. My favorite musical things about this piece are the really hip, syncopated rhythms that the upright bass is playing. Dun, 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 dun. There's right. a really cool <laughs> metric modulation that happens. I just love the three against two that you hear a lot. There's many different situations where you hear that in this piece. Another example of that is when you have dun, 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 the arpeggiated harp rip over, over the kind of more of the eighth note bass rhythms underneath that. There's so many times in this piece where he does, where I don't know which composer, it's either Miyoki or Masanori does that, but it's so hip, I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, they have such a fluency with musical contrast, and that's <laughs> yeah. going off of what you're just saying, Carl. But yeah, you have that ostinato that Willie was pointing out, and just these really long notes in the melody. Mm -hmm. um, but like so much of the video game music we love, there are notes that highlight these extensions of chords, but not in kind of cliched ways that we've maybe heard a, a million times, but it's like, it's that same kind of melancholy territory. Yeah. But it's just, it's great. You have these long notes and then contrasted with really nice kind of subdivided rhythms in a different timbre. And then you have, you know, the bass working in this different rhythm and like this really kind of milky low end now it's one thing so marty great. i wanted to ask you now as kind of watching you as as we were listening to this track which is kind of rare you know we don't have marty on the podcast all that often so what i was watching you is when this piece looped back to the you know the beginning of the form again you hear that you were you, you just made a sound you made an audible you just were very moved by it so how do you think is how do you think this piece uses the idea of a short looped video game track in order to build emotion so when you hear the beginning again it's more powerful well what's great is um you know this piece like a lot of rpg video game music is not taking you through a really um dynamically dr drastic journey mm -hmm. um, the mood that you experience like from the moment the piece starts is essentially the mood you're experiencing more or less throughout the whole piece yeah but so what's great about that is you know you can you can kind of arrive back at your loop you know almost at any time mm -hmm. um but, but right. we just before the loop point comes back, we've really built to this great dynamic. So it, it's funny. It's like, I can't quite express the feeling, but I just, I have to sigh because it's not like I'm misled, you know, to a point where there's this buildup and then it doesn't get paid off because mm -hmm. I really, I'm in the same emotional space, yeah. but it's there's just something about it. That's, that's so satisfying. It's yep. almost like you're just walking in, walking in a circle or if anyone has played a game, <laughs> I think this won't be a spoiler because I won't mention what game it is, but there are a couple of games made in the last 10 years that are really interesting because they end essentially at the beginning. Yes. Right. Some people yes. might know which games I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. When you get to the very end, it's almost like the opening screen. Yeah. And that's kind Such of the a cinematic That's sort technique. of the experience I have yeah. here. It's this Mobius strip. Well, yeah. I think it's also, it's like the best way to disguise a loop point 
is to make you look forward to it. It's to not disguise and, it. And it's we to talk like about it a lot, an but advantage. to put it in a different context. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you're listening to the C-section, and then all of a sudden, the, the beginning is so contrasting uh-huh. to what you just heard, and it makes it feel different. Well, it, right, and in really this case, in you almost line. like, yeah, like Marty said, there's like the relief aspect to it, right? You know, you mm-hmm. get back to it, and it's like, good, I want to come back here again. You're coming home. And because there was the stop and clear start again, it doesn't feel like the composer's trying to like hide it from you. Absolutely, yeah. You, you guys can tell we love that track. Let's move on to Silver Surfer by the Fallen oh Brothers. This is, a, this is a soundtrack that we featured on, obviously, our Fallen Brothers episode. We're going to play stage theme two from this wonderful game. You know, <laughs> wonderful gu- soundtrack. You know, guys, this track actually led to one of my highlight moments this weekend at MAGFest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you'll get to see when... Um, when we release the the video, which uh, we hope will be as soon as possible. Um, But Carl and Will uh, had created this game, this Name This Tune game, and kind of different, a mobile game show. Exactly. And different attendees at MAGFest were playing. And at one point, um, we had a really enthusiastic player um, who we actually ended up, to, uh, we discovered is a drummer in this fantastic Yeah, we got to uh, give a shout out to this band. great video game band. Uh, they do a bunch of cool covers. Kirby's Dream Band. But yeah, anyway, this guy, we played the start of the Silver Surfer track and he was jumping up and down saying, Tim Follin, Tim Follin, because he knew it. Uh, he just was so excited and that was just and so it, great it, to it see. Was, it was almost like Christmas arrived again. <laughs> yeah. Like, already like we didn't have to wait through the and you know what it's we should all jump up as soon as we hear this song absolutely that exciting yeah Um, so with that being said let's take a listen to stage theme two from silver surfer by the fallen brothers That was stage theme two from Silver oh, Surfer, composed by the Fallen Brothers. I mean, just the part when it just goes explosion, and then the rhythmic explosion sounds. Which yeah, it's got to be like the most beat. satisfying eight-bit tracks 
ever. Yeah. I mean, it's just great. There's so many visceral things going on here, and it's just such an ambitious thing to attempt on that sound chip to go for that really hard-hitting live rock sound. It's just fantastic. And it's so Fallen-esque. It's ridiculous. This is probably the most Fallen-esque track of all time. One thing that I love about this track is if you take any of the sections, and if it was, you know, a pretty good song with one of those sections, it'd be a great track. There's probably like an A, B, C, D, E, and F section to this piece. All of them are so cool, and they don't rest on their laurels at just doing, oh, a cool part, a cool part, let's loop back. It's like 145 length of a loop, which is pretty long for an NES track, and it just keeps going it's, wild. It's incredible. This is the... Not just the only NES track where I feel this is the case, but the only NES, SNES, Genesis, any essentially like pre, you know, drop a wave file <laughs> in, into the console. Yeah. Where it, basically, it almost seems like the, you have a composer who has an unlimited budget and you're telling them, okay, you can use anything you want. You've got Abbey Road Studios. <laughs> you can use the London Symphony Orchestra, any single instrument. And it's, uh, and it's as though the composer chose this specific yes you're not experiencing any limitations mm -hmm. we talk all the time about how um the great nes composers had to rise above their limitations or how the limitations actually uh influenced really creative well, decisions I, I feel like in a literal sense that is what's at play here but it's the mastery of that yeah, but the, 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 the master overall of it, package the feeling that you have is that this is absolutely yeah. intentional so it's that as there's no they could have chosen any kind of sound or instrument and it, it, it just it it comes to life in this incredible way that it's even my other favorite NES tracks, you know, which I love for other musical reasons. They just it's not that same visceral mm -hmm. experience. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to another awesome NES soundtracks that, in other ways, kind of push the boundaries of what that system can do. This is Street Fighter 2010. An excellent soundtrack that I'm sure most of you guys are familiar if you're a fan of the podcast. This is composed by the wonderful Junko Tamiya. Let's take a listen to Planet One, Area Three. That's Planet One, Area 3 from Street Fighter 2010. Yeah, that's one of our favorites. Guys, isn't it crazy to think Street Fighter 2010, I remember hearing about that game, you know, like five or six years ago. I thought it was a new console game for like well, the PS2. Right, but I remember thinking like, whoa, that's going to be so crazy. Street Fighter 2010, you know, that game <laughs> still takes place in the future. But now it's like, that's like four years old. So like this game is talking about a future that is now like our past. It's kind of sad. I remember that reminds me of watching old Looney Tunes or Merry Melodies and they went to the future in a spaceship and it was the year 1990 and they had ray guns and, 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 and I was watching it in like 98. 
and it was so sad. Man. But yeah, this track, Junko Tamiya is one of my favorite Capcom composers. It's so great how with Capcom and Konami, some of the best composers were female composers, which is so great because, you know, the video game industry in general, I would still say is dominated by, you know, male. So it's sure. great that you can have this aspect of it that has such a strong female presence in Junko well, Tamiya. Especially one with of composers, the you know, yeah. right? I mean, like some of the most classic video game composers really are women. Sure. And that's sort of like an area that, you know, films can't even claim that. Absolutely. No, this track, we love the portamentos. Obviously, it's trying to evoke an electric guitar. Uh-huh. And there's those great um, little pockets where there's room for the guitar to solo. Because, you know, you have the... Which is very authentic to, like, a live band. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing is... Uh, I don't remember the real year 2010 being this much fun. <laughs> so... Uh, it was pretty fun. I graduated college in that year. That was well, games like really hard. Well, this would have been a great graduation. Theme, I know. Then. I don't think I knew this track yeah. at that time. And this is just yeah. I mean, just such a terrific song. It, it reminds you why you love this kind of great up tempo mm-hmm. Capcom music. But like one of the reasons that that music needs to be so blood pumping and action packed is the game is incredibly challenging. It's like really right. stimulating, much like something like Ninja Gaiden, sort of like mixed with something like. You know, Mega Man, where it's like all this crazy jumping and shooting that's happening. So yeah, and this music is very Mega Man. It's similar to a lot of Mega Man music. Yeah. We're going to now move on to a great soundtrack, Gargoyles Quest 2 for the mm. Game Boy. Um, we've played uh, soundtr- We've played tracks from Gargoyles Quest 1 and 2. 2 is kind of this gem that we discovered earlier this year. So good. We've played two tracks this year. We're going to play today Assaulted Etruria, and this was composed by Yuki Awai, another legendary Capcom female composer. Please enjoy Assaulted Etruria from... Gargoyles Quest 2. my jam right there folks this is assaulted etruria from gargoyles quest 2 composed by the wonderful yuki Iwai. carl you said that a lot this weekend (laughs) (laughs) every track this is my jam this is my jam um this is so cool one thing i love about this is it's such a rare combination of classical almost like a tango mixed with something that i don't know what is so funky what is so groovy about this but it's such a this part here like it just makes me want to dance we were all dancing to this yeah you know there is that tango influence that carl's talking about um but when we when we hear those sort of dotted rhythms in the bass in america a lot of times we think of those as like almost like a charleston rhythm Mm -hmm. and it's funny it's like you find that in so much music and it's still alive in so much you know modern pop rock dance music and when used effectively, which, I mean, this is essentially a textbook example, yeah. you just can't help. you got to move with the thing. But what a great this part. Yeah, when everything oh, just winds my, up like a timpani hit. I don't know about you guys, hit. but I hear timpanis here in my yeah. head. Dun, dun, dun. I'm like a tritone. It's just so badass and epic. It reminds me of Beethoven there. But, yeah, such a great piece. In such a short form. It's about 22 seconds. It's, it really is. And, it gets and the it, job done. It's similar to what you were talking about earlier where the whoop point happens 
almost a uh, actually in this case it's almost abrupt. It's, it's very a little abrupt. earlier than where you're expecting. But guess what? The material in that A section is so good. Mm-hmm. You well, never complain. It almost becomes it like where's so the nice. loop because we just get these two even sections almost. Like to me, you have the more tangoey and then you have the which is almost like encompassing a completely different B section, and they both sort of exist equally with different like lengths of phrases. Well, what you just said inspired me. We should make a T-shirt called "Where's the Loop." It's kind of like "Where's the Beef," but you know, it's for video game music nerds. We I should, like we should it. get on that. "Where's the Loop"? I like All right, it. we're gonna move on to "SimCity 3000," which was our favorite track uh, we showed you guys on our jazz music episode, which was early, earlier in, in this year. So um, this is really the future, folks. This is really the future. You know, so it'll take a long time before we're able to look at the year 3000 and say, "Oh, that wasn't accurate." This was composed by Mark Russo. He just did a great job of making a pretty authentic jazz score for this game. Um, let's take a listen to Central Park Sunday from SimCity 3000. Folks, you're listening to Central Park Sunday from SimCity 3000, and this was composed by Mark Russo. Now you're hearing the sax solo. Yeah, how about that uh, that kind of alternate bridge section there? Really changed up the feel. My favorite thing about this piece in the main section is the really cool harmonies with the trumpet and sax. Right. I particularly enjoy the playful difference between how huge of a gap there is in the first harmony. It's like almost like I'd say maybe over an octave, and then the second time they do the harmonies is very close. And you're always kind of surprised where you know where the harmonies are going to well, come in. And they're in. always doubling when they're not doing the harmonies. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate to bring up more of a sad topic, but those diverting harmonies, they just remind me so much of uh, a musical hero who we just recently lost, Phil Everly. Mm-hmm, uh, you right. might remember from the Everly Brothers as he was always the brother who would harmonize uh, above the melody. But sometimes there were these great examples of these two lines that would 
kind of divert and each move yeah. move independently. I just can't help but mm-hmm. but um, right. think of think of Phil here. So rest in yeah. rest in peace, Definitely. Phil. R.I.P. Um, but yeah, what a what a terrific. It's just you guys have said it before. It's just a terrific jazz head. Yeah, it, it really just is. Stands up there with any great jazz piece of the period that we're kind of uh, invoking here, which is late fifties. Yeah, so yeah. the late fifties. You know, we you're gonna think Brubeck because of the because of the five four time signature, mm-hmm. but you're also gonna think you know Herbie Hancock was just <laughs> Cantaloupe Island. The, yeah, just yeah. The, the great feel on the piano and the What horns. I love about the drum feel um, is this is funk music before the drummers used to go away from the ride cymbal and move over to the hi-hat. So it's old, old, old school funk music back when it was, you know, played on the ride cymbal. So I like to hear that. Uh, there's something really old school about it, and it's very authentic for this kind of this kind of jazz. So Yeah, it yeah. Just sounds great. I agree with you. That sort of final C section that we just heard is so smooth it so has different. this sort of elevator music sort of like smooth jazz you go from the 50s almost to the 80s or something as, as far as yeah, jazz goes it, it, well it's great though since we have the same body of instruments involved uh, it's a very smooth transition mm-hmm. I'm reminded yeah. of something that Will brings up a lot which is uh, when we're talking about you know synth synth based you know console music right. the fact that we have these same sounds mm-hmm. of you know what we might call instruments throughout the track we can make these turns on a dime yeah. into another style and, and keep the cohesion it's not yeah. so drastic it's great to see that with real instruments yeah, well, when you have like the same ensemble you know if the song or the tune can sort of change course and because it's the same instruments it doesn't feel jarring especially with one like this which uses it to such great emotional effect i'd be very curious to see um how that would be utilized in the game um that's, yeah. that's just so great. We're now going to move on to Star Fox 2, and this was a unused game. Now, this we played this unused music. Yeah, episode. if you guys remember our unused music episode, we were excited to play this because this is from a canceled game, a pretty high-profile canceled game for the Super Nintendo. This was composed by Yumiko Kanki, who uh, worked on F-Zero, little-known right. game that we're, <laughs> you know, we're, we feel okay about. We're going to play a really <laughs> cool track called Eladard. Personally, this is one of my favorite pieces of video game music ever. I've I've had it for years and years and years in my iTunes library. It's just the only way I can describe it is just badass. It's yeah. It's a classic sixteen. Well, and the reason why it's a greatest hits this year is because you know this is the first time we had the opportunity to play that track in context. And context is really a big thing about our podcast because you know we don't really like to just play something randomly if we don't have an episode topic to discuss it in that one you know i mean this track was like the reason to do that topic so without further ado please enjoy eladard from star fox 2 
they really don't make them like they used to, folks. This is Eladard from Star Fox 2, composed by Yumiko Kanki, and yeah, getting a lot of um, fusion between like the Star Fox world from the first game and F Zero. I mean, there's parts of this piece that sound like Big Blue, doesn't it? It's it's yeah, awesome. but also at the same time, you know, it's right at home. It's sort of very in the pocket for what we get in the first F Zero game. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit less orchestral, but you know, if you remember, most of the level themes from the original Star Fox have this sort of rock energy to it, and we're getting a lot of the same sample sounds from the original Star Fox. This part Fox. here, this is straight out of F Zero. Yeah. Isn't that like those, Big Blue? Those, um, those full orchestra hits are just so classic to the Star Fox series, and it's sort of great to hear more music from this series, but you're totally right. You know, like, the melody of this song is so classic, and it would have gone up and been just a famous video game piece that everybody this knew if this game This is definitely one of the most influential video game pieces for me personally as a, as a game composer. This, this is one of the pieces that I just always, in my head, it's always in my head, so when I think about that twinkling line, that ding, 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 I feel like I do that all the time, you know? Oh, sure. It's you know great. what I love? The section that uh, we're just hearing now, the halftime, you know, really pretty ballad section. Yeah. Um, what's so great about it is, is not just the material that's there, which is wonderful. I mean, you could just start playing that on a piano, and it's terrific. But I, I'm so impressed at how this piece really knows how to weave energy mm-hmm. and knows just how far to push us into getting our adrenaline just pumping until we can't handle anymore and then just taking us to that beautiful halftime section. I feel like so many other pieces, um, maybe almost out of a maybe almost out of a restlessness would just want to start delivering that exactly. a little bit sooner. Yeah, that's so true, but yet you always have to know when to do that because it's not always the appropriate time, but you're totally right. Yumiko Kanki definitely knew when to do that and drawing from the experience in F-Zero, which is another game that I feel like does what exactly. you're talking about. You know, it builds up the tension and excitement and just delivers and hits hard with some great melodic material. Absolutely. We're now going to move on to Sword of Vermilion for the Sega Genesis. Um, not can't remember what episode this was featured on, but great track here. This is Castle. Probably like a show and tell. I yeah, bet. it could have been a show and tell. Now, this piece is just one of those kind of pieces that is just, as soon as you hear it, it's instantly hooky. I would say right. the first few seconds of this piece, you know, for us, kind of wins us over. This is Castle exactly. from Sort of Vermilion, and this was composed by the legendary arcade composer Hiroshi Miyauchi. Just did some great Sega soundtracks all over the place. Let's take a listen to Castle. is a groovy prog track. This is Castle from Sword of Vermilion, composed by the legendary Hiroshi Meiouchi. One thing that I love 
just you know indulge me uh, as I talk a little bit about the nerdy specs of the Genesis here. Um, as far as panning goes, it's down the center, all the way left, all the way right. That was it on the Genesis. You only had three options. So what I love about this track is this brass instrument you're hearing here. One track is hard panned to the right. Another track is slightly out of phase, out of tune, panned to the left. And it creates its own space, and it creates this really interesting color and tone that is impressive on the Genesis. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that we have, you know, a few really wonderful waltzes on, on tonight's show. <laughs> yes, and, and you know, it seems like something you'd hear on the SNES. Yeah, yeah, we tend to not hear as many waltzes yeah. on the Sega Genesis. And actually, a panel that we were at this evening with, um, it was a Q&A and about uh, 16-bit and 8-bit music. And yeah, someone, once again, hosted by Tommy Tallarico. Exactly. And somebody was asking about um, how come it's so rare to, to, to really hear you know, meters other than 4-4 four, four in some of this music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the simple answer is probably that it's just, it's a little bit more difficult to, to track it that way. But yeah. yeah, on the Genesis in particular, you tend to not hear yeah. these alternate meters, and it's it's really refreshing. I'm reminded a little bit of the special stage in the first Sonic the Hedgehog. Sure. But that, I think it's really mostly because we have similar instrument sound. Yeah. I, I, I love the, I really love the melody here. Um, it's kind of ironic. The the two Genesis tracks we've played so far has both been in three or six eight, however you want to think of it. The Alicia Dragoon one as well. So, yeah, interesting really, stuff. Really pretty track. I mean, in that melody in a similar endures. time period, kind of both med medieval qualities. That's kind of cool. So now, folks, we're going to move on to Uncharted Three, which is an excellent soundtrack, and we played a track from this on our Sand and Desert episode. The track we played was. The Rub Al Kali, and this soundtrack was composed by Greg Edmondson, Azam Ali, and Clint Bajakian, our old LucasArts pal. Please enjoy the Rub Al Kali. That is beautiful. That is the Rub Al Kali from Uncharted 3. And the soundtrack was composed by Greg Edmondson, Azam Ali, and Clint Bajakian. 
some really interesting percussion techniques used on this track from all over the world. There's a really cool metallic ambient sound effect that you're actually getting from a bow that is scraped against the cross of a gong. Uh, if you guys heard that near the middle, near, sorry, near the beginning of this piece, there's this sound. That's what you're hearing there. And then some really nice frame drums, which is obviously evoking more of the Middle Eastern flavor later on. Right. Uh, to me, it's just so uh, immensely reminiscent of, to me, a lot of the music from Indiana Jones. You know, I know these games are sort of kind of like uh, the spiritual like video game companion to that sort of adventurous mm. idea. But there's mm. really like a lot of homage to John Williams music and, you know, a lot of just great film music in general. Yeah, exactly. I, I could imagine um, some people, you know, making that comparison right away saying, oh, yeah, I've heard this you know, sonic landscape before, and then maybe writing it off. Yeah. And then maybe sort of writing the track off, but really you have to marvel at how well this is executed and really how well that's written. And I, I don't think anyone would be able to deny that it, it's, it really works in evoking the mood that they're going Mm -hmm. after and evoking that sort of location and and also that's kind of adventure and it's on the Mm -hmm. nose you know it's intentionally going for indiana jones just like how you know indiana jones you know it's not like the most original story the whole concept behind those adventures is sort of like making it something that we sort of feel like we've heard before so that it's timeless and has this adventurous spirit what i think is so fun is the reason why one of the reasons i personally think why this track is so good such a high quality melodically is that since a composer is like John Williams have set the stage in these classic, you know, rousing adventure films. In order to make this effective, it does have to be a great melody. Right. That's the You're only right. way to get that emotional quality. So it really, they had to, okay, guys, we really need to push the envelope and make this sound like it could be in a film, you know? Right. Yeah, the one I think, that this reminds me of a lot of is da 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 tackling a, a, a genre like this uh, is that we tend to almost only hear it in a really specific type of film score. That's a good point. So um, it it doesn't... Uh, um, so we don't get to hear enough of them where you know, we can almost group them in a, in a genre. Like we yeah. can with so many, so many styles of music, you know, it's like, okay, we have a thousand songs that sound like this. Okay, we're going to then kind of identify it as a style. And it's... And whenever that happens, it seems to take a little bit of the the pressure off. That's a good point. And, it's like, and that doesn't happen with a lot of these musical techniques yeah. that you experience in like a in like a film school. Well, like if we you know if we heard a rock video game song, we wouldn't just like always compare it to Led Zeppelin. Exactly. Absolutely. So now, folks, we're going to move on to Rayman Origins. And just a fun fact for you guys: this particular track we're going to play was the highest rated track on our little Excel spreadsheet. So, I mean, maybe you could call this, you know, like best of the year. Track of the year, yeah. (laughs) We're actually not going to have a track of the week. We'll put this as track of the week on on our website, you know, on the the right-hand side. Right. But, yeah, this is such an interesting, such a unique track that really kind of struck all of us in a very powerful way. This is Sea of Serendipity, The Lum's Dream. And this soundtrack was composed by Christoph Heral and Billy Martin. Uh, Please enjoy this track from Rayman Origins. Thank you. 
guys really <laughs> makes you smile there that is from rayman origins that was cm serendipity the lums dream and once again that is christoph haral and billy martin obviously one of those gentlemen probably the voice you're hearing obviously pitched up and double triple quadruple tracked some lush harmonies there uh particularly i think what's so striking to us what we love so much about it is the really extended chords that those harmonies are evoking with some My really goodness. close uh dissonances that are when you hear a human voice singing that it's just powerful well, especially at that register where the pitches are so especially easily in this game i yeah. was not expecting that well, at to all to me it also it captures this wonderful mysterious quality because the the sort of design around the lums they keep saying glue 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 it's supposed it's supposed to sound like this quasi like fairy language where mm-hmm. you may it almost sounds like you can identify words but like not quite it's like something. it's like the impression of like hearing a language that you're not familiar with but yeah. There's such a intrinsic beauty to that this thing where it's like i don't know what words are being said but the melody is speaking to me and then also just such a playfulness that we typically get with these characters hearing them sing such a lot there's always been something that for me that's been so powerful about hearing you know great songs that are pitched up with great harmony whether it's alvin and the chipmunks or even the beatles they do that all the time and what is it about that that's so powerful yeah, I don't know. It somehow separates it just enough from the mm-hmm. human experience. Yeah. But you still have enough humanity where you haven't stepped into the uncanny valley, I suppose. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, so it's really striking. You know, we were talking earlier about this piece, and what I think is so magical about it is those incredible, um, really tight clusters that you have in the vocals. Are, yeah. are, it's the kind of thing you almost only hear in kind of like concert choral music, let's say something by Eric Whitaker, mm-hmm. but to hear it with such whimsy and yeah. fun and you like don't hear entertainment value. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just well, an incredible combination. Especially the it, presentation of this. And what I love about these reboot Rayman games is that to me, it's sort of like what we used to get from the Donkey Kong Country games, right? You know, it's like you have those moments of whimsy whimsy but it's never forced it always feels a little bit like tongue-in-cheek but what's great is that just like Donkey Kong Country at times you also have you can go on a dime to these really emotional and just beautiful moments where it takes the music so serious yeah but what's great is even in the context of this one track he doesn't keep it serious because then near the end it's the characters you know yeah we get these goofy you know happy lums that sing to you throughout the entire game and actually previously right before this track sort of um when you're near the surface of the water the lums sort of sing a more um, silly tune, but then as you sort of approach yeah. and descend deep below the surface, this piece plays. Yeah, it's so just... now to completely change gears here, we're going to play um, the best track from our Arcade Games 2 episode. This is from Outrunners. We've played a lot of music on from the Genesis version as well as the arcade version. This is France, composed by Takanobu Mitsuyoshi. 
You're listening to France from Outrunners. This is the arcade version of this Sega soundtrack, and this was composed by Takanobu Mitsuyoshi. Such a great piece. I mean, we've said a lot of the things that we've loved about it before. It's just, you know, it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, it's really just a perfect melody. I love all the melodic contours. I love the instrumentation. You know, he really keeps it simple on this one. Just that one melodic instrument being that organ is just such a perfect choice. Yeah, it's just a great melody, and all the sections just keep surprising me. It just works so well. Yeah, and one of the most authentic organ sounds that I think you might ever hear in a video game. Absolutely. It's great stuff. We're now going to move on to um, a track from one of my personal favorite episodes this past year, our Ganbar Goemon episode. I love that music so much. This is from Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, which came out for the N64. Uh, this soundtrack was composed by Shigeru Araki, Kato Yasuke, Saiko Miki, and Yasumasa Kitagawa. We're going to play <laughs> one of the happiest, joyful pieces today. <laughs> it makes all of us smile. Totally. This is Yamato. so great to hear that Kodo instrument play such a happy melody, something that is so video game sounding, you know? It's it's just so much fun, something so unique about this series. This is uh, Yamato from Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. Now, I'm going to give the reins over to Marty, because I know Marty, last night, you know, when we were making you know, the final cuts of how, which track I was going to make it, he just, he loved this track so much. So what do you respond to about this? Yeah, I just felt like a kid again, getting like an yeah. action figure that I <laughs> wanted out of a Christmas catalog or something. I, I don't know, I almost like want to get, find this game and play it just so I can have the experience of you know pressing whatever buttons I have to press while this music is going yeah yeah I don't know it's just it's so great well I'm still feeling sort of the joys of the new year you Mm -hmm. know because we're recording this so close to being live you know we left for MAGFest on New Year's Day on January 1st. We yes. actually headed out. So, you know, this stuff is still pretty new for us. And I'm still really excited about 2014. So this is such a great episode topic to it's do. It's going to and- be a great Street Fighter 2014. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Now we're going to move on to Final Fantasy XI, Rise of the Zillart. And if you guys know anything about us, you know that we're big fans of Naoshi Masuda. And Naoshi Masuda did all the expansion soundtracks to Final Fantasy XI. And there were a lot of them and they kept releasing them long after they've already been other final fantasy games kind of crazy stuff here we're going to play a beautiful piece we played on our romantic music episode this is the sanctuary of zita composed by naoshi mizuda
Awesome, folks. You're listening to The Sanctuary of Zeta from Final Fantasy XI, Rise of the Zillart. This is one of the expansions that was composed by Naoshi Misuda. Man, such a great job of using, I believe all these, maybe with the exception of that solo guitar, are, you know, sample libraries. These are VSTs. These are not real instruments. But he does such a great job of sequencing that to make uh, just the overall effect is so powerful, so human, something that is so organic, and it's so impressive that this can be done with computers, technology. Actually, you know? I feel like there's a clear distinction between the sample sounds that sort of sound like general MIDI, for instance, like that pan flute, yeah. and the samples that um, are sort of trying to fool you, like that guitar sound, and having those sort of intentionally kind of video gamey uh, samples like the pan flute, it's like a great framing for the um, more realistic samples, because the comparison of the two, it sort of fools you into thinking it's a real instrument. Yeah, totally. This is such a great track that almost reminds me that, uh, you know, the period of the great 90s RPG music never really ended. Absolutely. It's still going. You still have this great consistency and great quality, um, you know, emotionally and that's, beautiful music. And that's one thing that Tommy always talks about. He talked about today in one of his panels is that, you know, there's still great video game music today. People always ask him, oh, which era is better? And he's like, you know, I think they're both good. You know, there's, there's always been great music, you know, and I think this is a really uh, good example of that. This is a classic Final Fantasy theme that I actually think some of the expansion 11 soundtracks are better than the just the regular Final Fantasy 11, but... That's neither here nor there. We're going to move on to the Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, and we're going to play, uh, I believe, the one piece that was composed by Koji Kondo from the soundtrack. This is Credits, composed by Koji Kondo. Great, you're listening to the credits theme from Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, composed by the one and only Koji Kondo. And yeah, I think my favorite thing about Koji Kondo, I guess just to sum it up, is he just knows how to tell a story with his melodies. I mean, this piece really takes you on a journey with no words needed, and that's kind of a recurring theme in Zelda. You don't really need words, do you? you don't you know? It's just it. The emotion is given by this music. It's all you need. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, one thing that I'm just fascinated by with this piece is it's just. It's just better every time I listen to it. I know it. what you mean. Uh, you know, I, I always thought that I, that I liked it, but I noticed that every time I, I, I listen to it, I'm just I'm more immersed, I'm more affected, and I'm more in awe of it. And, um, and that, the melody becomes more classic, you know? And, 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 it, and it's such a great gift, and one that I'm not used to receiving from Koji Kondo, because you normally, 
you normally are just in love from the first moment that you you know hear one of his pieces well and it's also and cool because spirit tracks kind of went under the radar as far as i didn't know koji did a track for it it's kind of something sure. that you know some people knew but it wasn't like everyone knew oh koji did this awesome track it's the credits theme you know it's not the main yeah, and the theme. game itself was sort of a sequel of a sequel on yeah, a this portable is system so wind wakerish this music yeah. it's so swashbuckling isn't it yeah terrific track Awesome track. Well, now we're going to move on to Shenmue for the Dreamcast. This is a soundtrack that was composed by a lot of talented composers. The track we're going to play was composed by Asamu Murata, and this is uh, Nizomi's Confession. We played this on our Human Touch episode. Enjoy this track composed by Asamu Murata. You're listening to Nozomi's Confession from the Dreamcast game Shenmue, composed by Asamu Murata. This is one that's going to be on the new Video Games Live Tour. Absolutely, yeah. Shenmue, yeah, Tommy was talking about this. He added that to his Excel spreadsheet of things he wants to do in future Video Games Live. So, yeah, beautiful piece. Really not much you know, words can describe about that one. We're now going to move on to... Um, a really fun discovery of this year. Uh, I know that when I first showed this to Will, uh, there's a priceless expression on his face. Uh, he's really into, you know, acapella music. It's one of the things he enjoys. This is an acapella track from Poppin' Music 12. Oh, just play it and, already. And <laughs> uh, this is called Magical Voice Shower. And this is uh, composed by Tamayuki Ichida and Haruki Ichida, also known as Uchis. Please enjoy Magical Voice Shower. Da 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 da
so painful to fade this down. This is Magical Voice Shower from Poppin' Music 12, composed by Uchis and performed by, uh, I believe, one of the Uchis. Um, <laughs> this just makes us smile. The vocal percussion is so impressive, and in general, the composition is just stellar. You know, just... I just love it. You go from Mario to Sonic. To just, it's covering all this territory, and it's such a wonderful melody. It's so happy. The presentation, the acapella thing, it just suits it perfectly. But again, it's not a gimmick. You know, this melody is great enough to stand up alongside great 8-bit and 16-bit music. And this is the best presentation for this song, I gotta say. And it also has the best title. I mean, that, <laughs> how else can you describe it? Sets it sets you That's up for it. That's what it is. Yep, absolutely. Oh, it, and it's, I mean, it's just wonderful. Also, the thing that I marveled at this time that I hadn't really appreciated enough before, it, um, because, you know, obviously there aren't any lyrics, I, I love the consonants he's using when he's using yeah. them. They just mm-hmm. they feel so natural. They're it's so just natural, like yeah. An They're instrument that's very rolling instrumental, off of this time. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll move on, but I just gotta say my favorite part is da 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 ba ba ba. Yeah. Those really Latin oh, triplets that God, oh, so, good. so good. You okay. think he used? I think I'm convinced he used our mic. I think I think he, he did use an SM7. It sounds very yeah. SM7. We are going yeah. to move on to Tower of Heaven, which is an excellent chiptune soundtrack that was composed by Flashy Goodness. This is a pretty recent PC game. This is a track called Indignant Divinity. Awesome, you're listening to Indignant Divinity, and this is from Tower of Heaven, and this is composed by Flashy Goodness. Really great chiptune here. I love hearing the use of panning in a chiptune. It's not something you would have been able to hear back in the day. What's so cool is uh, he's not using Fami Tracker. You know, he's using a bunch of, uh, I think, of different synths, different trackers together. I think he used FL Studio is what Flashy Goodness used to oh, do cool. most of his chiptunes. So it's, it's a familiar sound, but it's kind of something that's kind of he's making it his own here. Yeah, I mean, he's really pulling out all the stops, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's really exciting, and, and it's wonderful to hear a piece in the hands of someone with just so much musicality. Yeah, um, definitely getting pretty Fallen-esque with some of the arpeggiation. Yeah, it's like, but all the arpeggios, all of the, you know, triangle kind of tom fills and the great noise channel stuff, mm-hmm. um, it actually doesn't it doesn't get to, like, an overkill point for yeah, me. Yeah, and it's, it, it's so darn really melodic throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, you know, something I'm just really proud of on this podcast is I feel like we have a very good selection of music every week. I'm very proud of the playlist, yeah. and I feel like it's already sort of the cream of the cream when mm. we hear those playlists, and we really try to get ones with good melodies, but on today's episode, we're just getting, you know, awesome melody after awesome melody, and it's so satisfying to hear these in succession. Absolutely. And it's all for free, folks. <laughs> 
feel free to change that by going to our website and donating. Um, this is from Fire Horrible. Emblem Awakening. Uh, and just so you guys <laughs> you know, sell out. <laughs> <laughs> just so you guys know, we are going to have a future spotlight episode on this soundtrack because we loved it so much. Fire Emblem Awakening for the Nintendo 3DS. This particular track was composed by Hiroki Morishida, and it has one of our favorite titles. I think our favorite title of any track we've ever played in the podcast. And what if I can't? What if I'm not worthy of her ideals? What if I can't? What if I'm not worthy of her ideals? That is from Fire Emblem Awakening, and this was composed by Hiroki Morishida. Wow. There's really so much you could say about this one. Um, from Just from a production standpoint, from how it was recorded, from a performance standpoint, the, you know, the way that these players are coming together to create such a beautiful uh, emotional piece, but just how it was composed. You know, Hiroki just did such a beautiful job of having such subtlety and taste uh, in a video game soundtrack. I mean, this doesn't really sound like video game music, does it? I really am just speechless. This melody is incredible like i think this is one of the best discoveries we've made all year i love the soundtrack and this piece in general you know you start off with that piano thing so stunning so shocking all those chords are just packed with emotion but you don't even realize that that's just the intro they're yeah. just wetting your palate a little bit then you get into this which is just like classic melody so timeless wonderful i Soaring. can't believe it's from a video game i can't believe it came out in 2013 i'm i'm blown away yeah, this, this is really, you know, someone who has the argument that there's still great video game music nowadays, it's just as good, there's just, you know, Tommy used to say, yeah, we just, we forget all the crap back in the 8-bit era, you know, this is a great defense of that, this is just a phenomenal soundtrack, and what's cool, wouldn't have been possible on any other era, I mean, it's just, it sounds so good. Yeah, it's just so gorgeous, and you know, it really has that uh, the embrace of the melancholy that I think has drawn so many people to um, Japanese composed oh, video game music. To yeah. Japanese music in general, I feel. You know, like. I think I, there was a period in, in the me. 70s where it was a lot more popular in like, uh, let's say, American film scores Absolutely. And, and that sort of a thing. And it kind of... The use of jazz in and, film and yeah, music. And it, yeah. and it kind of went out of style. And I, it's just... It's so lovely to hear something like this where it's embraced, 
and there's nothing that you could say is cheesy about it. It's just it's romantic yeah, I mean, and beautiful. These, these guys are really they're some of the I think they're going to be some of the biggest players of this new generation of game composers. You know, we're already seeing some of the next level people at like Nintendo and at Square and sort of people, you know, passing the torch to these new composers. This is an example of I feel like these composers are the best the Fire Emblem series have has ever seen. And like, I can't wait to see what these guys do next. Hands down. A gorgeous piece of music. Yeah, we're going to move on to Rayman Legends. And this is a track called Strategy and Spying. Uh, we played this not too long ago on our previous show and tell episode this particular track was composed by billy martin and i had to concede on this episode you know my track of the week won the rock paper scissors duel but i had to admit this was the coolest and track I, of this that is week. also my declaration like if i were to give out an award i would give it to this game uh for soundtrack my favorite of soundtrack yeah. of the year it would be up there with um mario 3d world and fire emblem Awakening. what a great year for video game music folks <laughs> exactly. this is rayman legends strategy and spying listening to strategy and spying this is from rayman legend this particular track was composed by billy martin you guys know i love this 70s funk section here in 7 8 just so great oh, incredible you know this is just one of the <laughs> best tracks that we've played all year i know it's so reason we talked about it recently but yeah i mean what's so great about it is i feel like um it's it's very clearly sort of uh using multiple different uh, films and TV shows like Mission Impossible and the James Bond films is like a direct um, inspiration for how they're going about arranging everything. It's something I love about these Rayman games is they have these motifs, right? They have these they have these main themes that they um, sort of harken back to in almost every single song in such a different imaginative way. They have so many have musical cliches here. that they nail on the head in both yeah. the Rayman games. Well, I and say. production is really helping support it also. Yeah, this is a really interesting counter-argument to what we usually showcase in video game music, and we've already talked about it today, which is that we have one sort of band sound, whether it's coming from the chipset mm -hmm. or whether it's coming from like a really um, specific instrumentation, and yeah. that, al that allows us to seamlessly go from style to style. Here we have overtly different 
band sounds. Absolutely. Like the and, drums is a great example. And it's really cool to see that oh, that can work too if yeah. there's a if there's kind of this clear intention behind it. Uh, and you know, actually there isn't another example that comes to mind right. where you have such dramatic changes in in the band, you know, it's the drum sound changes drastically. The hi hat is on the right side at one point, and then it's on the left side, and it's a different hi hat. A big kind drums. of '80s sounding drum kit, and then all of a sudden you go to a '70s super well, dry I think cardboard a big thing sounding is that kit. In the game, you know, it doesn't happen in this perfect order. You know, things loop until you get to the next right. trigger point. So, right. kind of like you know, it's an example of like building it up, but a little bit more incrementally and not fundamentally changing mm-hmm. the entire ensemble. Just sort of beefing it up a little bit and you know bringing it more from you know mission impossible into like the james right. bond movie but I, I imagine if you were running and gunning it would sound more or less like this and, and it really holds up in, in this way too absolutely yeah. so now we're going to move on to the last track we're going to talk about today folks this is from dragon quest 6 for the snes this is a track called inviting village and it was composed by of course the dragon quest composer mr koichi sugiyama please enjoy inviting village Well, that was so much fun, kind of taking a trip down memory lane of this past year. Uh, so many great uh, tracks that we discovered. We had such a great time doing this. At our hotel at MAGFest, we're having yeah. a great time. We can't wait I mean, to show you guys the video. We're so passionate about this music. You know, it's late at night. It's God, it's like 11 o'clock right now, and we're just sitting here nerding out, talking about video game music after like a really long day. But yeah, I mean, I can't wait to share everything that we've done with all you guys over the course of the next few weeks, because... We had such a wonderful, life-changing experience coming to this convention. We've met some amazing people, and, you know, we've filmed a lot of great content that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Yeah, it's so. going to be a lot of fun. So we just wanted to thank Marty once again, not only for joining us this weekend at MAGFest, you know, kind of helping us out, and also joining us today for this episode. This was so much fun to do this with you, Marty. Yeah, man. Thanks well, a lot. Well, thanks, guys. I'm always honored to be part of the show, and I was so happy to be here well, with you and guys we're at always, MAGFest. We're always honored to have you back, Marty, and just thanks a a lot for helping out this weekend and now yeah, let's, let's all just this turn a, this off and give each other a big hug <laughs> let's make this a greatest hits tradition to, to have marty on every year it's just great yeah. to kind of you know go back through memory lane so totally. thanks so much folks we're really excited next week we have a spotlight on chrono trigger yeah. one of our favorite soundtracks a good a way to sort of coming. you know start the flow of this year off the last right. few weeks we've been doing sort of more incidental type mm-hmm. episodes so now we're gonna hit you with just a classic classic video game absolutely well chrono thanks trigger. so much guys once again my name is carl brueggemann and I'm Will Brueggemann. I'm Marty Brueggemann. Thanks a lot, you guys. Have a great week. Peace out. Take care.